The following is a sermon from the Vicar and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. You know, I've always a silly idea uh, with the common table prayer. You know the one, the come Lord Jesus, be our guest. And the silly idea that I've always is like, what if when I sat down for lunch and I prayed, come Lord Jesus, what if when my eyes were closed, like Jesus showed up, like with his hands and feet, like his body was really right there at the table. Maybe you'd recognize it sooner if you're like a prayer peeker and you like see him there. Otherwise, you open your eyes from the prayer and Jesus is there. And what would you do if you prayed, come Lord Jesus, and he actually showed up? I think what I would do is I'd hide my face from Jesus. I'd like go to the ground and hide because I was not expecting it at all. I wonder if Jesus in that moment would look at me and say, well, didn't you ask me to come? <laughs> and I wonder what would happen the next meal time. And, and maybe you just had like a, a fight with your family or something and, and you sit down to eat and you fold your hands as you normally do. And then you think like, do I really want to pray Come Lord Jesus right now, because what if he actually came again? What if he came in the middle of this? You know, asking our Lord Jesus to come is kind of an intimidating thing to do, even just for dinner. But today in our text, we have two come Lord Jesus prayers And they're a little more scary than asking him to come and join us for dinner. Because the two come Lord Jesus prayers are this. Come Lord Jesus to judge me. One-on-one judgment. And the second one is come to do that. Come to judge me soon. Like right now, come and do it. And these are some scary, intimidating things because what if Jesus actually does it? What if he actually comes? So my goal this morning with this sermon is just to open this text up for you. And, and by the end of it, I want you to be able to say the last four words in this text. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. I want you to be able to say that with me, not scared about like, what if he actually does it? but with full confidence that this is what you want and that this is what you need. So at the end of the sermon, after I read it, I want you to say, amen, come Lord Jesus with me, all right? We're going to read the text here. If you're at home, uh, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22, starting with verse 12 here. We're on page 10 in your bulletins. Look. I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, 
the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you to give this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the, word of, the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, this text is, is pretty heavy hitting. Um, one verse in this text was actually the verse that, that kept someone who I was really close to, who was on their deathbed. This was the verse that kept them up at night. This was the, the one verse that made her not quite ready to meet Jesus and accept the fact that it was her time to die. And it was this verse right here in verse 12. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. See, when Jesus comes on Judgment Day, He's going to come and take each person, single you out, and judge you according to everything you have done. And that's pretty intimidating. That's, that's pretty scary. Just the mere fact that we will be judged each person according to what we have done. But you know what's even scarier? Is what happens if we don't pass the test? You know, there's this, there's this judgment. But look at how this text describes what happens if you don't pass the test. Verse 15. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, the sexual, immoral, etc. Outside are the dogs. That's the way God sees those who don't pass this test. The ones who, who don't enter in the city, they're dogs. Outside the city, stray dogs. And so... To ask, come Lord Jesus in this moment, to have him one-on-one -on -one judge us when the stakes are this high, like this is an intimidating thing to ask Jesus to do, to come. So in our minds, we're thinking like, what do I have to do to pass this, this test? What do I have to do 
to not end up like a stray dog. And interestingly enough, in the text, we have like a list of things, a list of things that defines what a dog is. Look in verse 15. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So it's like, if you're a really bad person, right? If you're a really bad person, you're a dog. No, no, right? Because remember what Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said about a man who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. And he says that not only the ones who, who murder, but the ones who hate their brother or sister are subject to judgment. So this list, as we look at this list of, of murderers and sexually immoral, you might think you're clean, but really we're not. We deserve to be on this list, and, and we are on this list. So then the question is, if this list defines who a dog is, are we a dog? Because we're on this list. But we're not going to figure out the answer from just looking at that list. There is another group. There is another group. And this is the group that gives us hope. Look at verse 14. So there's the dogs, and then there's people who enter the city. And we got to figure out how you enter the city. Verse 14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. So there's these two groups. There's the dogs who are defined by their sin. And then who are the other, what's the other group? Is it the group that's, that's never sinned? What's the defining characteristic of this group that enters the city? It's the ones who wash their robes. Ones who wash their robes. What does that mean? When do you wash something? Do you wash something when it's, when it's already clean, when it's neatly folded? No, you wash something when it's dirty. Which means that what makes you enter the city of God is not that you have avoided the sins on this list, but it's that your sin no longer defines you. You have sin, but what defines you is the blood of of Christ. And so we have to we have to think about that verse and relate it back to this scene that we started with of Jesus judging each person one on one according to everything they've done. Like how does that work that if everything is red how do we pass this judgment simply by washing? Earlier in Revelation there is this this vision given and it and it kind of illuminates this point a little bit. As Jesus sitting down, and there's two books on his lap, and on one lap, on one of his legs, he opens a book, and there's the list of everything we've done. So I imagine Jesus throughout our lives with his red pen like a teacher, grading everything we've done, writing down every action, good or bad, that we've done in our lives. And when it's our time, 
He has this big scroll he opens up and he starts reading. And it's you, your life, everything you've done. And you're nervous, you're shaking in your boots. But the first thing he says is a good deed you did. And the second thing is another good deed you did. And the third thing and the fourth thing and all the way at the bottom, he reads all the good deeds and he says it's done. Enter the city. And you know, (laughs) you know that was not your life because you know your sins. And so you have to like, you run up to this scroll and you have to see what's written on the scroll because you can't believe it that all he read was good deeds. And when you turn and you read You see all this red pen of the good deeds, but you see Mark and Mark where he blotted out your sins with his blood, where like a highlighter, he took his blood from his side and covered that red pen with his scarlet blood where he can no longer see it, where it's been covered by his blood. That's how this works. Every single one of our sins is covered by his blood. And only what's read are the good deeds that the Holy Spirit worked in us. And that's just, that's just amazing. And so we got to go back and think about like, why can we have confidence to say, come Lord Jesus and judge us? Why can we be confident to say this, although it's a scary thing? And the answer is, it's because we wash our robes with the blood of Christ. You wash your robes when you come up and receive the true body and blood of our Lord. You've washed your robes in, in your baptism where he washed away all of your sins. And when you hear his word, of forgiveness and pardon, you are washing your robes. It's all something that God has done in your life. You have nothing to fear. What do you have to fear? Jesus' blood covers all of your sins. You can say, come Lord Jesus to judge me because of the blood of the lamb, because you wash your robes in the blood of the lamb. And that leaves us with one more come Lord Jesus prayer. If that's true, that we are ready to face the judgment, if we're going to stand in this judgment and go into this beautiful city that he's prepared for us, like, why would we want to wait? Why would we want to wait? And the second prayer is, come Lord Jesus to judge us soon. Soon. Like right now. And this is actually something that Jesus would want us to pray for because he says it twice in the text, right at the beginning and right at the end. In verse 12, in verse 12, he says, look, I am coming soon. And in verse 20, if you look all the way at the bottom, he who testifies to these sayings says, yes, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. And here we are 2,000 years later. <laughs> right? Like, like, don't we have to answer some questions about that? Like, why are we still here when he said he was coming soon? Is he the boy that cried wolf? And I think to answer that question, like, <laughs> we got to understand something. 
about who's talking. Because if you or I, if we say soon, like how long are we talking? We're, we're talking minutes, maybe a day, week, year, 2,000 years? No way. No way. But remember what Jesus said in verse 13. Look what he says. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You know, they say that like the, the best estimates, best Christian estimates for how old this, this world is, is around 6,000 to 10,000 years old. So if, if this was the creation of the world, this wall, when Adam and Eve were, were created, and that wall over there is us today here. How big would your life be on this, on this timeline? How big would your life look? Let's say you live 75 years. How big are we talking? It's like, it's like this big. This big. This is your life. From the beginning to the end. Like if this, this were the end. Jesus says he is the beginning and the end. Which means his perspective on things is a little different than the perspective of our lives. And, and to think about that, that Jesus saying that he's the Alpha and the Omega does not mean that he, was, that he started in creation. No, he's the eternal God. Which means his timeline goes like all the way to Seattle in this direction, all the way to London and even past. Like His perception of things is so much different than ours. His soon might be different than our soon. But he is still coming soon. In our eyes too. And I want to explain it this way, because even if he doesn't come in our lifetime to judge us, when we die, we're going to meet him. And, and really, our life is just a breath. Like this is soon. You know, thinking about this word soon made me think about, about going in, into labor. And not, not because of a recency bias, but because in the gospel reading for today, that's what Jesus relates it to. Verse 21, he says this. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So I imagine labor to be some of like the longest hours in somebody's life. Like it's really painful and you're in the moment and you just can't help but thinking like this is eternally long. And, you know, someone on the side, a doctor or a husband can say like, you're almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. Only a little bit longer. And I don't think that really helps. I I don't know if it does help at all, but you know, it does help. What helps is when the baby really comes and you hold that baby and the time has come and you look back at the time that you spent and it looks completely different. And you can see it as soon because the moment has really come. And so I want to think about what is it going to be like on that day? 
when the moment truly comes for Jesus to come and judge us? What is it going to be like when we've said he's coming soon and he said he's going to be soon and then he actually does? Well, it's going to be two things. One thing is it's not going to be scary. When Jesus comes, it's not going to be scary. You know why? Because you have washed your robes in the blood of Christ. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And the second thing is, when Jesus comes, it's going to be incredibly joyful. Because in that moment, when he comes, we're going to see it just like Jesus sees it. Yes, you came soon. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon and all together. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.